Christmas hope. Let me look at Matthew 12, 18. This is Matthew quoting the prophet Isaiah. And he's letting us know that what we're about to read centuries before Christ was fulfilled in Christ. That's what Matthew is telling us. So he says, Isaiah writes, Look at my servant. See my chosen one. He is my beloved, in whom my soul delights. I will put my spirit upon him, and he will judge the nations. Catch that. Our Lord is going to judge all the nations of the world. Verse 19, he doesn't fight nor shout. He does not raise his voice. He does not crush the weak or quench the smallest hope. Notice that Jesus doesn't quench your hope. When you're feeling weak, he doesn't crush you. Satan crushes you, and Satan quenches your hope, but not Jesus. He's easy on you. Satan's hard on you. Then look, it says, He will end all conflict with his final victory. And his name shall be the hope, the hope of all the world. His name shall be the hope of all the world. So notice, Christmas is connected with hope. Amen? Father, thank you for hope today. We pray your blessing on the word of God. Can you lift your hands and say, Lord, increase my hope fire up my hope in Jesus name amen turn to your neighbor and say thank God for fresh hope amen now you probably know Bible hope is much stronger than the way we use hope today in the English language we say like for instance I hope I don't have to work tomorrow how many of you said that right I hope I can make it to the store, or maybe you were out last night. I hope it doesn't rain on me. See, we use hope as sort of a wishful thinking kind of thing. You know, I hope this, hope that, hope the other. Maybe so, hope so, perhaps so. It's not a strong word. But Bible hope is not wishful thinking. Bible hope is different. For instance, I've got a solid, unwavering hope that one day I'm going to go to heaven. It's a solid, unwavering hope. How many of you have that hope? And see, Bible hope is always based on the promises of God. The wellspring of hope, Bible hope, is always the promises of God. And so, see, I've got promises that tell me if I put my faith in Jesus, I'm going to go to heaven one day. It's a guarantee. Jesus said, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God? Believe also in me. My father's house has many mansions or rooms or dwelling places. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? In other words, Jesus is saying, I don't lie. I'm going I'm to shoot straight with you. If it weren't true that I could take you to heaven, I would tell you. But it's true. So I'm telling you, I'm going to get you to heaven. He says, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I love this, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. 
Now, I hear that. I put my faith in that. And hope comes from that. My hope is based on the promises of God who cannot lie. Amen. So the Bible says when I put my hope in things like these, it says in Romans 5, 5, that hope will never let me down. It'll never disappoint me. Hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. So the Bible kind of hope never lets you down, never leaves you hanging, never disappoints you. You can always stand on it, walk on it, live by it, die by it, depend on it. Bible hope is the kind of hope that you are right in putting hope in. How important is hope, really? I don't know if you thought about it lately, if you've ever thought about it, but hope is so crucial to life. It's so crucial. As I've already said, and I believe this, hope is the oxygen of the soul. The body has to have oxygen to live. The soul, your soul, my soul, needs hope to truly live. Hope is what gives you a reason to get up in the morning, get dressed and go out the door, excited about the day. Hope is the, gives meaning to life. Without hope, you have no meaning, no purpose, no reason to get up and go on. Bible hope means this, that you have a confident expectation that something good is coming towards you in the future. An old preacher on TV used to say, something good is going to happen to you today. Well, here's the deal. When you have Bible hope, you wake up with hope that it may be dim, it may be grim, it may be dark out, the clouds may be over your head, but it's not going to stay that way. It's not going to remain that way. It's not going to be like that necessarily the next day because weeping endures for a night, but joy is what hope says. Joy is what hope says. Joy comes in the morning. Joy is coming in the morning. Why do I believe that? Because I've got Bible hope. Bible hope. The Bible kind of hope. And this is what our world is fast losing. Um, read the news anytime. And you see that our world is losing hope. That culture out there, hope is on the extinction list. People are losing hope. Jesus said in the last days, men's hearts will be literally failing them for fear of what is coming upon the world. Anything but hopeful. The Bible says that hope is going to fade except those who know the Lord Jesus Christ and walk with God and are standing on the promises. Hope comes from God. Hope is a God thing. As a matter of fact, the Bible says he's the God of all hope. Amen. You need some hope, get close to God. Because God the Father, God the Creator is the giver of hope. Our world out there is sighing and dying and crying for lack of hope. They're losing hope. And that's where we come in. We've got a hopeful message, a hopeful word. Because of the steady disappearance of hope, people are checking out in a record number. Leaving life, ending their life. Did you know that suicide among young people is breaking records? 
for young people between the ages of 10 and 24? I said 10. 10. When I was 10, I was playing marbles. The last thing I was thinking about was checking out. Folks, we got to understand something is happening out there that is not good. Because the further you get from God, the further you leave hope behind. The closer you get to God, the more you have hope for tomorrow. But see, our world is teaching people. We came from evolution. We came from an ape. We came from some ecological accident. There's no real meaning or purpose uh, for us to be around. We're just here because evolution spewed us onto the planet by, by happenstance. That means there's no God, no ultimate meaning, no purpose, no reason for me as a person. I'm just here. And we tell young people this. And we wonder why they're depressed and turning to drugs. Young people between the ages of 10 and 24, suicide is the third leading cause of death. 10. More teenagers and young adults die from suicide than from cancer, heart disease, AIDS, birth defects, stroke, pneumonia, influenza, and chronic lung disease combined. There's a dearth out there for hope. There is a thirst for hope. There is an absence of hope. And that's why we bring a hopeful message. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes on him would not perish, but have everlasting eternal life. And when I know that I've got eternal life, friend, I've got hope. I've got hope. But they check out because they ultimately see no answers for what troubles them. They wake up with all kinds of problems and see no solution because we have taken away transcendent hope. Everything they look at is this way. They don't look this way. See, I thank God for the vertical view because when I've only got a horizontal view, I'm going to lose hope fast. When I'm only looking at what I can see, I'm going to lose hope. But when I wake up and I go vertical and I look up, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of my faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has now sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. When I keep my eyes on Jesus vertically, that's why when I get up in the morning, I don't go horizontal, I go vertical. I open up that Bible, I look at the promises of God, I go into prayer, and I look up, and when I look up, I have hope. He's got the whole world in his hands. Amen. They're learning the hard way out there that the hope they need is not found in a new relationship. Nope. Or the latest, greatest iPhone. Nope. Or a change in schools or the latest new drug trip. They're learning quickly whatever you take or whatever you drink. It's going to end. You're going to wake up the next day and the problems you had have gone nowhere. They've even gotten worse. We need a solution to the big questions of life. And that solution is the Lord Jesus Christ in whom are hidden all of the treasures of wisdom. What they need so badly, what the world needs so badly, is a true hope found in Jesus Christ who made us, who knows us, who loves us, who died in our place and rose from the dead on our behalf. There is hope in him. Go to the cross. Start there. Let him forgive you. And you will find immediately a brand new hope.
True hope comes from the incredible discovery that God has a plan for you. He has a plan for me. He made you on purpose for a purpose. You and me both. So I'm not an accident. I am on purpose. God designed me, designed you, made you, wired you, made you who you are. And he's got a purpose, a design for you that he hatched before the foundation of the world. And when you plug into that plan, the plan of God for your life, then you find hope, you find meaning, you find purpose, you find a reason to get up in the morning. What's God going to do today? No telling what He's going to do today, but He's a God of surprises. He's going to do something. No telling by the end of this day what I'm going to realize God did. Because God is moving all the time, even when you don't see it. Even when you don't feel it. Bible hope is literally called an anchor for our soul. Listen to this. Hebrews 6.18, Therefore, we who have fled to Jesus Christ for refuge can have great confidence as we hold, listen to these words, hold to the hope. Everybody say hold to the hope. See, there's something God did and there's something we're doing. We're holding to the hope as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It's an anchor. We've all seen the old movies where there's that ship, the old kind of great big ship with sails, and uh, they're in some harbor, and there is a storm brewing. The waves are rolling, the wind is blowing, the lightning is flashing, and that ship is, is being tossed back and forth, and they're about to be driven out to sea because of the storm. And what does that captain always say? Let down the anchor. And when they let down the anchor, once it's down, no matter what comes against that ship, how strong the winds, how great the waves, no matter what is going on, that ship is held in place by the anchor. You can't see it, but it's so, so important to the ship because it's keeping it from crashing against the rocks or being carried out to sea without a compass and without direction at the mercy of the storm. But the anchor holds it firm. And the Bible says that our hope in Jesus is an anchor for our soul. Let the winds blow. Let the storms roll. Let the lightning flash. We've got an anchor. And every time we find ourselves in a difficult place, I turn to that anchor. The anchor holds me. I love the old song, the anchor holds, though the ship is battered. The anchor holds, though the sails are torn. Maybe today in your life, you're torn. Something has happened that's ripped you, shredded your soul. Can I tell you, if you know Jesus, even so, you have an anchor for your soul to hold you in place so that when the storm is past, you're still where you started. You weren't moved. You weren't destroyed. You weren't wrecked. But you were held by the anchor. The song says, the anchor holds though the sails are torn. I have fallen on my knees as I face the raging seas. The anchor holds in spite of the storm. Amen. Christmas hope is all about the hope we have in Jesus. He's the anchor. How many times has the anchor held you? 
how many times, if you've known the Lord long at all, how many times has the anchor kept you in place? How many times would you have been swept out to sea, but the anchor held? Amen? The anchor held. Jesus came to say, seeking to save that which was lost. He came for people that are storm-tossed. He came for people that had no answers. He came for the hopeless to give hope to the hopeless. Do you have hope in Jesus today? Do you really? In the first service, we had about six people come to Christ, most of them first-time visitors. They came to Jesus. I'll tell you why. Because they heard me talking about the anchor, and they realized, I don't have that anchor. No, I don't have that anchor. Do you have hope in Jesus today? Do you know that you know that you know that you're his? Because, listen, uh, tough times are upon us, and more tough times are coming. And I thank God every day that I can get into that word and go into prayer and lay hold of the hope that is within me. And I walk all day with Bible hope instead of the hopelessness so common to this culture. Now, I want to look at two kinds of hope. One of them I've already talked a lot about. And I'm going to call it winning hope. But let me talk about two kinds. Winning hope and losing hope. Winning hope. Now, the kind of winning hope that I've just talked about is based on two things. Track with me now. A guarantee and a trustworthy guarantor. A guarantor is the one who guarantees you can count on his word. A guarantor is the person that stands behind a guarantee. Some of you ordered pizza this week. You called Pizza Hut or whatever. And you called them because the guarantor, Pizza Hut, told you if you called, they would get a pizza to you in X amount of time. And you called based on the guarantee of the guarantor. So when they came to the door, you weren't shocked they were there. You expected them to come because the guarantor Pizza Hut guaranteed a pizza in a certain amount of time. And it was oh so good. Amen? So watch this now. A guarantee is only as good as the guarantor that guarantees it. Did you catch that? A guarantee is only as good as the guarantor that guaranteed the product. If the guarantor is a liar or a con artist, then the guarantee is absolutely worthless because you're going based on the character and the promise of the guarantor. You might remember the old television commercials uh, for a clothing, men's clothing store called Men's Warehouse. The founder of it was named George Zimmer. And he was the one in the commercial pointing to all the different suits and, you know, this suit and that suit and how much it would cost and how satisfied you would be as a man if you got that suit. And at the end of every commercial, he said something a lot of you already know, but he would say this. This is the way every commercial would end. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. I guarantee it was kind of northeastern. He did it with a sort of a Chicago accent. But he was, I guarantee it. Now, follow. The founder of Men's Warehouse, George Zimmer, was the guarantor 
of the guarantee that you would be happy with the product. Now, it just so happens I was at Men's Warehouse a couple of months ago, and I got a new suit based on George Zimmer's promise that I would be happy with the suit. And let me tell you, I love it. I guarantee you. <laughs> it's a great suit. So I went to Men's Warehouse based on the word of the guarantor who guaranteed I would be happy with it. Now we celebrate Christmas and all that it stands for because we trust the guarantor behind it who happens to be the greatest guarantor in the entire universe because God who made everything is the guarantor of the guarantee that he was going to send his son who would die for our sins, rise from the dead, redeem us from the grave, deliver us from death, hell and the grave, and take us one day to heaven. The guarantor, God, guaranteed to send his son, and he said to the whole human race, I guarantee it. Amen. For example, he, he even went so far as to guarantee the birthplace. He said in Micah 5, 2, O Bethlehem, you are but a small Judean village, yet you will be the birthplace of my king who is alive from everlasting ages past. He nailed where Jesus would be born. The guarantor gave the guarantee that his only begotten son was going to be born in Bethlehem. And he was. He guaranteed. He was going to die by crucifixion. The psalmist wrote, They have pierced my hands and my feet. That's Psalms 22. That was written centuries before Christ. And that was written centuries before crucifixion was even invented. The psalmist moved on by the Holy Ghost. The guarantor gave the guarantee to the human race that God was going to send his son. He'd be born in Bethlehem. He was going to die by crucifixion with his hands and feet being pierced. But he went further. He said, I guarantee you, though he is crucified, he's going to get up from the dead. It says in Psalms 16:10, for instance, for you will not leave me among the dead. You will not allow your beloved one to rot in the grave. And just as God guaranteed it, Jesus got up from the dead. He was as dead as any man ever was dead. But Jesus got up from the dead because death could not hold him. So watch this. The guarantor said, I guarantee you that one day I'm going to send my only begotten son. He is going to be born in Bethlehem. He's going to die on the cross. He's going to rise from the dead on your behalf. And there's another guarantee the same guarantor that guaranteed all of that that came true, that same guarantor said, he's coming back. He's coming back. Jesus is coming back. The guarantor has guaranteed that one day a trumpet is going to blow. And the dead in Christ, those who have died with faith in Jesus, are coming out of their graves. And those of us who are still walking around are going to be raptured up, caught up, seized up, and caught up together with them in the clouds, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And if the guarantor's guarantee was right about the first coming, the guarantor's guarantee is going to be right about the second coming as well. Amen. Come on, everybody. Give the Lord praise. How many of you believe that? Give God praise. Come on. 
Amen, 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 amen. But then there's the losing kind of hope. There's a winning hope and there's a losing hope. The losing kind of hope is when you place your faith in a religion or a belief or a philosophy of life that promises to take care of your eternal soul and to be a dependable guide for how to live life. But in the end, listen, it fails you. When your hope fails you, it wasn't Bible hope. When your hope fails you, you were hoping in something that had no legs, nothing to hold you up. And this is where it gets really dicey. Now I know I'm talking to the choir. But some are watching online and thousands are going to hear this later on radio and social media, so I want to be real clear. Here's where it gets dicey. Because you must be especially careful what you place your hope in regarding the welfare of your soul. Jesus said this, what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose? There's that word. That's why I call it a losing hope. Because if it's a losing hope, you lose your soul. See, dogs don't have a soul. Birds don't have a soul. The only living thing God created that has a soul is you and me. We alone have an eternal soul. And Jesus said it can be found or it can be lost. Jesus said, if you gain the whole world but lose your soul, what did you benefit? Because life is like this. You can become a multi-billionaire, but if you don't come to Christ and put your life, base your life on a winning hope, the winning hope, the only winning hope, what do you have? You don't take one penny with you. And you're facing your maker. He said, is anything worth more than your soul? Rhetorical question. The answer, nothing. Nothing's more valuable than your soul. Nothing. Your soul is that part of you that goes on and on and on after your body dies. There's a million options floating around out there. Offering hope. Oh yeah, philosophies that promise to make sense of life for you. Beliefs that guarantee satisfaction and fulfillment. Religions, different religions that have nothing to do with Jesus. That promise heaven and eternal bliss. But, but you better look behind them. You better look past them to see who the guarantor is behind the guarantee. Is it just another man promising all this? A lot of them, just a man came up with it. Is it your own mind telling you to trust this or trust that? Yeah. When it comes to your eternal soul, you and I can't afford a good guess or a happy or a hasty decision because what you're, what you're placing your hope in has eternal consequences for your soul. Again, I know I'm talking to the choir, but we need to hear this. I'm so weary of ear-tickling messages from pulpits. People are having their ears tickled all the way into hell. There are so many churches no longer even talk about the need to repent, to get right with God, to get the sin in your life under the blood and, and get right with Him before you die. No, I'm just going to tickle your ears because I want your money. 
and I don't want you to leave. I'm so glad when I heard the gospel, he didn't tickle my ears. No, he got right up and told it. And I got convicted and I got saved. So I'm going to shoot straight with us today. Your soul, my soul, they're eternal. And there's only one way for them to be saved. There's a lot of ways for them to be lost. Broad is the way that leads to destruction. But narrow is the way that leads to eternal life. And few, in contrast to the rest of the population, find it. Because it doesn't tickle our ears. But oh, it will bless your socks off when you get saved. So what faith, what beliefs, what person, what thing are you trusting in for the day you die? Whatever it is, have you checked out the guarantor? Is it Buddha? You'd be amazed who's sitting in church at any given moment and what they believe. What about Muhammad? What about him? Or what about some new age guru? They're everywhere. How about Oprah? Or Dr. Phil. Or even your own brain. Well, I'm really highly intelligent, Pastor Jeff. I'm able to figure all these things out. Smart people go to hell all the time. The winning hope that Christmas celebrates has a flawless guarantor behind the guarantee of salvation in the next world and life and peace and meaning and purpose in this life. Amen? Amen. Amen. Now listen to what the Bible says. This certain hope of being saved is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our soul. The anchor holds. The anchor holds. Can we stand up together today? How many of you have had this week, the anchor held you. Amen. How, you got that pink slip on the desk and your heart sank. But by the time you got to the car, God said, it's going to be okay. And that anchor held. Amen. Some of you got a bad report. You got that bad report. Your heart sank. But, but soon the comforter came in and said, I'm with you. We're going to get through this together. And the anchor held. I can't imagine not having the vertical relationship with God. When I was sitting in juvenile home at 16, in tons of trouble, lost, never heard the gospel. In my life, I heard it and I accepted it. And I prayed, first prayer of my life, and Jesus came into a hopeless life and made me hopeful, full of hope. And hope has carried me all these years. Hope, Bible hope. Hope comes from God. How many of you want a fresh baptism in hope? Fresh hope, fresh hope. Amen? You say, well, pastor, it just looks to me like my marriage is, is over. Even if it did end, the anchor is still there. Listen, storms can rage all around you, but the anchor holds in spite of the storm. So I'm going to say a prayer. Did this in the first service, and I'm going to do it now. And if you've even got a question, 
Now, forget about everybody here. I'm going to talk right to you. It's just you and me here. Forget about who you came with. Forget about going off to a restaurant when this is over. Get everything out of your mind. Let me ask you a question, you and me. Do you know that you know Jesus? Do you know? Well, I think I know. That's not good enough. Salvation is a no-so faith. There are certain things we should know. That we may, that you may know that you have eternal life. Do you know? If you went out of here today and got into a wreck, God forbid, and it was your last day, do you know that you'd go to heaven? Is that anchor there? Do you have this? Because, listen, I didn't, but I got it. And I'm going to pray the same prayer that was prayed over me. And if you need to pray it, so how do I know? You'll know. You already know. So I'm going to pray a simple prayer. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm just going to pray a prayer. And if you need to pray it, I want you to pray it with me because we're going to go to the Lord of hope. We're going to get hope. Hope by turning to Christ. Amen? Because he loves you. And so I'm going to pray this prayer. Bow with me. If you've got a question mark in your mind, you can pray right now and settle it. So pray with me right now and say, Jesus, I believe you died for me and rose from the dead that I could be saved. Lord, I have sinned. Forgive me my sin. I place my faith in your shed blood for me. Come into my heart as Savior and Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.